This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Caleb Zachran, the assistant editor of the New Books Network, and you're listening to New Work in Digital Humanities. Today I'm speaking with Lori Latour, founder and editor-in-chief of Women in Art magazine. Women in Art magazine is a bilingual project publishing poetry, fiction, and creative nonfiction. Lori, thank you for joining me today on the New Books Network. Hi, Caleb, and thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, You know, I'm excited to talk to you about Women in Art magazine. But before jumping into that, I was wondering if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in this project. Yeah, obviously. So I'm Laurie and I just, I'm 19. And uh, when I was 17, I got into the um, Oxford University and I studied German and Russian literature. But uh, because of Brexit and personal reasons, I could not afford to continue my studies. So I had to drop out when I was like 18. And uh, during my studies, what I really liked was like writing essays and doing research, like literature, basically reading old books and making it accessible. And I realized that most of the authors we were studying were mostly male and there were really few women writers for example, in German literature, and I had sometimes to, to look, to do my own research. And um, I am half Romanian, and while I was in Oxford, I was interested particularly in the Romanian and French identity, and I realised there were quite a lot of women, Romanian women artists who moved to Paris uh, at the beginning of the 20th century and uh, were important literary figures And doing this research really inspired me and I discovered those amazing women with amazing lives and I thought like, wow, I wish someone had told me sooner they lived because it is really inspiring and I feel like I don't question my identity as much as I used to. I mean, like, if you see a writer and you want to be a writer and you see them succeeding and having this really inspirational life, then it gives you hope too, in a way. So after dropping out, I was kind of in a, I wouldn't say a dark place, but it was kind of really hard for me to to cope with everything. And also because I had to look for a job and, and I felt like I needed something to, to hold on 
So I've always been someone very artsy and interested into art, but I wanted to make art accessible. And what I really wanted to is to distinguish myself from most of uh, Oxford newspapers and also like literary magazine, which I thought were really hard to publish in and also as a woman writer, hard to get published by. So I wanted to create this space for young women and also non-binary people, regardless of where they come from and regardless of which uni they go to or if they work or not, and just bring them together to write and create. So what we do mostly is um, we publish poetry and also interviews, and we're looking to expand a bit what we're publishing, so with articles and essays, and um, also to engage our audience more and reach a wider, younger audience. We're really active on TikTok and Instagram, so we do a lot of short videos uh, promoting young or even older women artists or non-binary artists who have been forgotten by history, at least like the big art history. So yeah, that's all. Are there any particular artists that you find particularly in, inspiring, uh, either that uh, are just people from, from history or people that mm. you have written about uh, or yeah. spoken with? I think, oh, way too many. I think when I was talking about the Romanian artists, uh, one that really inspired me was Anna Dunway. So she's a Greek-Romanian writer who lived in the 20th century in Paris, and she comes from an aristocratic uh, Romanian family. Actually, she never spoke Romanian. But what I really liked was her the, her style. And also, for example, um, when I was in uni, we studied a bit um, Effibriste by Theodore Fontaine, which relates, um, which talks about like this very rich woman who has um, an affair. And the way it's written is very different from the way Anna Dunois writes uh, an adultery novel called La Nouvelle Espérance. And um, I was really interested in her writing style and how femininity can be explored through prose and literature. So that's one woman artist. And I think personally, I'm very, very touched by Farouk Fagzad. I don't know if I pronounce it well, but it's an Iranian poet from um, the mid-20th century, um, and she's really inspiring and her life really moves me because she married really young to an old man. She divorced and she published poems exploring her mental health issues as well as her sexuality. And I think um, for a woman writing erotic poetry or even poetry about your struggles with depression and anxiety can feel very at the same time frightening, but also, but at the same time very freeing. So I really admire her audacity and her braveness to, to, to write about those things, and they, they touch me particularly. So yeah, I think those are the two main inspirations I think I have. And then I obviously have friends who are, who are artists themselves who inspire me daily. Something that I find uh, interesting about Women in Art magazine is that it's not just in English or, or in French, but you do it in, in both languages. Uh, can you talk about working in multiple languages? Yeah, obviously. So I think I chose doing a bilingual magazine, both in French and English, because I studied a bit in England and um, I was raised and born in France. 
and also because I wanted to mix both cultures and ways of perceiving the uh, of uh, seeing the world. Like for example, what I really liked in England was that you that like the focus is more on creating things and being an entrepreneur and taking risks and um, and also like putting light and on a certain community as in France I think France is not it's not as multicultural as England and it's more the emphasis is more on unity and you know battery and being French so I wanted to mix both and show that like yeah regardless of where you come from you as a woman and as non-binary you can come together with a whole different group of people and about what you said about managing it and publishing both in English and in French it is true that we have more submissions in English because I think um well, more people talk English than French, but also what I've done to, to manage it is I've recruited quite a big team, but we have both a French and English team. We mostly speak English together, like when we have meetings or on the group chats we have. But for the editors, we have uh, more editors in English because we we have more submissions in that language, but we also have one editor in French who also is She's a friend of mine and she's also like studying um, English literature. Her name is Asya Hamdani and she's really great. Um, so yeah, we have a, a bilingual team and it's not just French and English people. We have Romanian contributors, people from Eastern Europe, some people from the Middle East too. So yeah, it's it's really good to have like very different profiles. What, is, what has it been like... Uh doing a internet-based project? How does it compare to, let's say, a, a club at school or, or a campus paper or other things? Have you been able to connect with people and expand your you know, scope of interest through the internet? Yeah, actually, I think it has been very frightening. Um, I remember when I started this, uh, I was so I was just behind my laptop doing some Canva design because I really like designing stuff and and you know, promoting things. And I, I was beneath, and I had this idea, and actually before Women in Art magazine was not supposed to be a magazine, it was supposed to be a podcast, but then I realised what I'm good at, I'm good at um, writing and I'm good with people, I guess. So let's do a magazine instead. And I was so frightened and I posted, I created the, the Instagram account and I posted those uh, little Canva designs where I'm saying, we're launching Women in Art, feel free to submit, and we're recruiting a team. And I, at first, it was just my closest friends who like followed the account. But then slowly, more and more people got into it, and I managed to recruit a very large team. I mean, we're not... What well, The thing is, I'm like, we're not all working together it means like it depends on the periods of time because some of them have jobs over there over them some part of the team are students so they're really busy so we're just like there are moments where we work on a certain project all together and other moments where it's just me and like to like um Anya Rouvier and uh, Fernanda Baronti, Baronti who are like the social media part of the social media who are working on creating content so that's the first part. And then about doing it digital, I think it's something that 
I thought would work against us, who actually worked for us, because um, we don't have any budget. Like I started that, I started that in my room, and um, because I left Oxford, I couldn't get any grant or scholarship from like Oxford Uni to to support this project. So um, I can't pay my uh, my team, and that's a shame. And I really want to, um, but so that means that mean that meant that I had to do it on the digital. But that's actually good because uh, young people don't buy magazines like physical copies or very little ones too. Uh, but what young people do is stay on their phones and uh, watch TikToks or scroll through Instagram. So what we decided to do um, with my social media team is try to follow trends and follow the trends, but in order to promote women artists and non-binary artists and to promote culture and make culture seem way more accessible. Because I think one of the main ideas I'm trying to fight for or promote is that when you know your culture, when you're when you interest yourself in where you come from, then you are less uh, exposed to, um, I wouldn't say prejudices, but to people making fun of you. Like it doesn't touch you as more because you 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 think you, you know better than them who you are and your value. What I'm trying to say is like when you know your culture and you're proud of it and you feel seen and heard then it's way easier to, in other aspects of your life, to be more, like, confident. Um, because I think that that's a thing, like, sometimes as a, as a woman, you, your art is not really promoted or you feel like you don't belong to a certain place or you, you or it's really hard or people only look at you as a body. But when you, when you create art and when, you are, when people around you look at you not as just a body but as someone with a mind and someone who creates and it's something really, really moving and really empowering. I don't know if that answered your question well. Yeah, I guess my, my sort of follow-up question to that is, do you have a sort of a, a picture in your mind of like the type of people or the type of person that you're trying to connect with? Um, I think mostly young people and also older generations. I think everyone really because, but with different messages. I think young people, I think it's more with a hope message, uh, encouraging them to to discover culture, encouraging them to read, encouraging them to um, visit exhibitions, saying, look, there's this exhibition right now, it's free, go, it's cool, or uh, discover this young artist who didn't get into art school but still managed to get her works exhibited. Look, you can you can do it too. And also to... to um, to all the generations to show them that young people are still interested by art and young people are gifted and young people are not just mindlessly scrolling through Instagram or watching uh, TikToks. They are also called like learning and creating. So I think, yeah, it's trying to smash a bit some prejudices um, we have. My, my assumption is that the vast majority of our listeners are probably not on TikTok, and <laughs> if they know anything about it or have heard about it, they're probably uh, slightly frightened by it. Uh, so, you know, how do you see TikTok as playing a role in just youth culture and also spreading uh, conversation and discussing art? 
what what role does TikTok play? I think, well, just for the audience who doesn't know what is really TikTok, TikTok is a social media platform that you post short videos, either of yourself or other books or exhibitions or just, just short videos with music on. And some videos work better than others because uh, you use a certain music that is very popular or you do a certain dance that everyone does. But inside TikTok, it's very, very large. And I think um, there's really something to tap into, especially in the culture and art section. Because, for example, on TikTok, there's a lot of young poets uh, promoting their work. For example, it's, um, I don't know how it's called, but it's like young poets film themselves uh, reading their own poetry. Or um, there are TikToks, like short videos, where young people film the books they're reading and or they film the exhibitions they go to and there's like like the with the books they're reading it's called book talk and then there's like um and then they, they follow certain hashtags like artists of tiktok or and, and you know it there are kind of little communities everyone on tiktok so why we're using tiktok is because it's mostly young teens um, up to like I think max twenty five year olds who use this sort social media platform, and we really want to engage with a younger community to um, to make them interested in in art and more women artists and especially now I feel we live in a world where feelings are put over um, ideas, which I think is very t- dangerous. For example. Um, like I think there are political systems who live off fear and 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 like have like very dangerous ideas and there's not really much thought behind it and I think with culture showing young people that you know there are artists who have had such interesting lives it can be very hopeful like for example um, for example with racism and and Black Lives Matter there's a lot of anger in this movement. And I mean, sometimes it's good that there's anger in the movement because you want things to change. But with art, with women in art, what we can do is promote artists from the past who have had a very interesting life and who have fought against these prejudices. And like that, we can add our own little little thing to, to the movement because we, we, we say, look, you know, there, there, have, been, there have been artists have done that and art is not just this thing old people are interested in and have has no connection to us art is something that is made for everyone and should be accessible to everyone is there a particular uh, essay or work of fiction or poem that you've run in the magazine that you want to talk about sort of highlight um I think so. There have been we have had very interesting submissions, and I think one of I wouldn't say my favorite te- texts because I I like them all and every artist has their own unique voice, but one text I was really really proud to publish was the short story uh, "Specimen" by Ajar Wabi. So it's a little short story in French about. I mean, when you read the text, you don't really know what's going on, but you have a little bit of sense of a, of malaise and mal-être. 
And actually, the I think the text is about someone who who sits in a classroom and doesn't feel like they belong in the classroom because they have different social and social codes. And it's a really interesting reflection about um, equal access to to higher education. And um, the the girl who wrote it um, is an acquaintance of mine, and she fights for social justice, and she's a climate activist. And she, through her studies and through her life, she has encountered um, social prejudices and also her path in higher education has not been an easy one due to France's structural problems with uh, equal access to higher education. So I think this text was really interesting to read because it, it, um, it blends in at the same time prose, literary metaphors, and also social activism. So that's one text that I really liked. And I think another another text um, is a poem, actually. It's a very long poem by a poet named Eulalia um, Tsuasi. I don't know how to pronounce it, but she's a theologist. Uh, she has a theology student in Oxford, and she wrote a very, very long poem about faith and religion, depression, anxiety. And uh, it hasn't been published yet because it's very long. So we're working with the creative team and the poet in order to make to publish it in different parts. And each member of the creative team is going to draw something of an extract, like illustrating an extract of the poem to show how all these different styles can grow out of a poem. And uh, it's a project I'm really excited about uh, to publish. It hasn't been published yet, but it will be. So it's called A Flood of Living Water. In addition to working on editing that poem, uh, what do you see as as the plans for the future of the magazine? Maybe uh, short-term plans, and then if you have a sort of more long-term vision for what you want to do. Yeah, so I think short-term plans would be to learn how to get organized better with the team, how we can be more effective, how we can get more um, submissions and so that each member of our team can have more independence and also can do their own little thing and grow their own ideas. That's the short-term plan. The long-term plan would be to create a digital... like. We're already doing it, but something that has some kind of value and some kind of status in the art world. So, and being able to 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 pay our artists and to pay our editors or creative team or social media team members because it's still work. And even as a woman artist and also as an artist in general, it's hard to get paid for your work because people say, "Oh, but we're giving you visibility." Yes, but, you know, you still need money to pay your bills or to pay your rents and visibility is great, but sometimes you, you need also. And I'm not saying that I, well, but, yeah, it's just to, to pay them for their work. Um, and also maybe that would be even the longer term, being able to, to create uh, a shop where people can buy um, art made by the artists by the creative team. So, for example, tote bags with uh, a drawing of a poem or little cards. So really, yeah, uh, create a really good community 
and who would be not only people who would read but also people who would watch our videos and people who would like buy talk bags it would be very diverse it's not just one little thing it, it should be really for for everyone and for yeah my last question and this is sort of uh kind of a uh non sequitur question but i just feel like it's such a big issue in art these days uh, mm -hmm. is what do you think of digital art and nfts and all of the kind of craze around virtual art oh i don't i don't really know <laughs> to be honest um i don't i don't really know for example what nfts are and digital art do you mean like artists who do their art on like iPads and that kind of thing? Or do you mean like robots doing art? Is that what you mean? I suppose more so around like the uh, people that create uh, digital art and then they sell it on like the blockchain uh, to people that kind of the kind of the, you know, art that isn't taking place necessarily in uh, museums, but mm. solely okay. exists on the internet. I mean, it's interesting. It's just how the art world evolves. I'm not seeing it as a threat to exhibitions or to art galleries. I'm more say, seeing it as an alternative option because um, not you don't have sometimes you don't have the chance to live um, in a city where there are many exhibitions or many art galleries. For example, in France, I feel like Paris is a bit the art centre. And if you live in another city, well, you can have art galleries and museums, but not as big as Paris. And there's this uh, very big differences. And I think having this alternative can be good too. And I don't think that um, the two options exclude each other. I think they can live together and maybe make art more accessible. I don't know. I just think, I just think it's a way of um, evolving. Yeah, I think that's, I, I completely agree with, with your view. I think that that's, that's totally true. Uh, well, Lori, thank you so much for, for being a guest on the New Books Network. Thank you. Uh, would you mind just saying the, the, the URL of the website in case anyone wants to go and check it out? Um, yeah, obviously. So you can follow us on basically all social media. On uh, Instagram, we are Women in Arts magazine. Wait, let me just get, it's like women in double a r t and our website is just up it's womeninartmagazine.com i think so yeah and on on our instagram we have a link tree link tree is like a where you can get like multiple websites not websites but links so you have the link to our instagram the link to our facebook the link to our twitter and we're basically mostly active on instagram and tiktok yeah, it's Women in Art magazine. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really liked uh, talking to you. <laughs>